Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast with Philip Washington Jr. Today, Philip talks about the evolution of the knowledge economy. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right, we are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple, and I changed the title on Steve in 30 seconds. Today we're talking about the evolution of the knowledge economy. It just took a little while for the title to hit me. Um, It changed like 10 times before that even happened too, but the evolution of the knowledge economy. And so what what does that really mean? Well, we're, we are a couple of decades into the digital economy growing, right? Uh, and as a part of, you know, it, it started with uh, tech being created for new economies. And it also started with jobs being shipped, manufacturing jobs, a bunch of them being shipped from America to overseas in the early 2000s which displaced a lot of, uh, a lot of workers. And, um, and again, this is a cycle that happens over and over and over again. We talked about it on a previous podcast episode. But now we're in a situation where knowledge workers are, uh, that, that field is going to get, it's going to evolve. And I like evolution better than like death and rebirth because like evolution just sounds better. It just sounds less stressful uh, less worrisome, but evolution in, in, uh, includes the death of old ideas, the death of doing things a different way, and the rise of a new way of doing things. And so, let's first decide, you know, let's first describe what a knowledge worker is. And so, a knowledge and I, and I I'm gonna mess up this number, but it was something like thirty trillion, thirty trillion. Dollars, uh, uh, I don't know if it was value or, 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 or expenses or output attributed to the knowledge worker economy, right? But knowledge worker is uh, uh, services being offered by, by billing the minds of people. And so that might be a, like a medical professional, uh, it's an attorney, uh, you know, financial planners, all, right, all areas of finance. Um, uh, I said attorney. Um, you know, I mean, even even to a certain extent, education uh, is an aspect of it. Um, consulting, if I didn't say that before. But uh, the field where you're paying somebody for their specialized knowledge. And so that field is being uh, reshaped. It was protected from the last wave, right? Because when jobs went from here to China for manufacturing, um, you know, that was, you know, skilled labor. But the the minds of people were protected until artificial intelligence got here. It's funny. I, I, I've been, again, playing with my AI 
uh, program, uh, the chat GPT one, which again, I mentioned, I think Google's going to uh, give it a run for its money and, and probably overtake it. But I've been playing with it to understand a way to understand what it can do because like what it can do is, is, uh, is only limited by the, it's limited by a lot of things. It's limited by like the actual like programming, but it's also limited by your understandings of how to use, like asking the right questions, how to use it properly. I, 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 Related to the example of if you have a, a a CEO of a company, and that CEO of a company is uh, underutilizing the human capital that he or she has, and then you find a new CEO that comes and they they use that capital better, there's a different in profitabilities. Or a, a different way is you can have two different coaches of a football team. One coach gets one output from the from the players. Another one gets a different output version but it, it it's the same talent pool same minds that they're accessing uh, but different output and so just because you have access to the ai doesn't mean you're going to get the same output so i'm learning how to interact with it um and i want to continue to learn how to interact with it and evolve but what it what it taught me about so i was, I was texting my buddy the different things it can do and he was going hey you um you can basically eventually outsource all of your content uh, creation to the AI. And I was like, I don't know about that. I said, I'm, I'm more call it like it's replaced the research assistant, like a content research assistant. I don't need like pay a hundred bucks for this. And uh, it does all the research that I had to do at a fraction of the time. So I don't need to hire a content research assistant anymore. Like it does that phenomenally. And so, and, and, and just like when you think about, um, um, a research assistant will is likely like an entry level position at a knowledge worker type situation. Uh, as the AI gets smarter, it begins to eat more and more jobs, right? So first comes the research assistant, right? Then comes the next title above that, next title above that, and it goes smarter and smarter up the food chain as the quality and quantity of the data and the, the quantity being quality being processed as some other data uh, gets better and better. And so like. And and if you and when you look at the numbers and the compounding trends of uh, how smart it's going to get, uh, we are we are not going to fully understand how smart it's going to be in a decade. Th- think about a decade ago, thinking about the world today, right? Thinking about how smart uh, algorithms from social media companies were going to be at delivering us what videos and ads that we want. Like we didn't perceive that. Uh, we didn't perceive the relative. You know, smartness of cars, of Teslas, being able to do what they can do and take us where they wanted to go, or uh, Google Maps or Apple Maps being able to get us where we want to go. Like that was, I mean, we kind of intuitively felt it was going to be better than what it was, but we had no idea the capabilities today and how smart those tools are going to be. Now think about what AI is going to do, and it's going to compound and uh, and take away a lot of the um, current tasks that knowledge workers um, do, but let's play it out. So let's say it's it's uh, use a real business, right? It's not it's not uncommon for uh, let's take a law firm, mid-sized law firm doing ten million dollars of revenue a year. Uh, it's not uncommon for that law firm to spend three four million dollars, call it four million dollars on salaries, right? That is that is billing out. Uh, to generate the ten million in revenue, right? Because that's the the revenue is people paying for the advice of the attorneys, and so that that's not uncommon. What 
a decade from now, let's, let's, let's go into, into the future and go a decade from now, you're going to have all kinds of mines that you can uh, subs- you know, buy a subscription service from. So every, some, not even everybody. Um, when we talk about the cloud, right? think about the cloud where um, Amazon has a cloud, which is Azure, Microsoft has a cloud, Google has a cloud. It's like the storage system for all the data that we have. So like memory, right? So when you hear, when you hear people say, we put these photos in the cloud, it's like memory. And you got these conglomerates that are storing memory or data and they're in the minds of their software. So, so we have that. So now what's going to happen, these minds are going to um, become more intelligent at processing uh, that data. And so, and so just like we can license memory or yeah, memory storage from these companies, we're going to be able to license uh, intelligence or context uh, from these companies. And so if you were in a law firm and you're saying, all right, uh, we, um, we need the mind of an estate planning attorney. We need the mind of a bankruptcy attorney that's going to understand the rules uh, and, and the data uh, really, really well, right? They, you know, they would, they would pay uh, a lot, top dollar for like the Harvard, Yale, SMU grads for law because they had a more rigorous process and they had a uh, a mind from the perspective of the law firms that had better quality, better quantity mix of 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 data understanding. So then you so then you compare that to artificial intelligence, and it's not going to even come close. It's like it's like comparing the mind of somebody who can do math to a calculator's. They're not going to beat the calculator. Like the calculator is perfect, right and fast. That's the same way that processing the information for these specific things of law is going to be, but instead of needing to spend $4 million a year on the mines, they'll pay whoever a subscription of a hundred grand a year or something like that. Like the costs are going to, I look at the cost based on like the, the rate of decrease of cost of doing that um, today versus the compounding rate. And it was super cheap. So if they, so if they only charge a hundred grand, there's lots of profit for that company uh, um, to, to, to operate and build whole new businesses, right? So, like, that's happening. That's not a, this is not me using my imagination to think about it. Like, this is just math. This is just where we are today and the progress of technology, assuming conservative um, efficiency uh, projections. So, so then once you're there, right, pe- people will go, man, that kind of makes me nervous, right? Because there's going to be, you know, three point nine million dollars worth of attorney salaries that um, that are not getting paid. Correct, correct. And I mentioned in a previous podcast, as all these jobs are getting destroyed, there's going to be lots of new jobs created. So they're going to need to be people that works at that work at the mines of these companies, right? Going back to the memory, um, Microsoft, uh, not Microsoft, uh, uh, Microsoft Azure and Google AWS. I think I might have confused that before. Um, not Google. I'm messing up the names, but the cloud companies is Amazon, AWS, Microsoft, Azure. I don't know what Google's is called, but these cloud-based companies have lots of employees because they're always they're programming things. They're I don't even know what they do, but they they employ massive amounts of people at these companies that are just mines, right? And so like 
these mines for artificial intelligence are going to have lots of employees because you're still going to need somebody to uh, be hired for context to train the AI. Like, right, you have people who train um, the minds of attorneys and people. You're still going to need to train it to, un to increase the quantity of the process. Um, and you're going to need all kinds of jobs that I can't even think about because I don't know yet that'll, that'll be needed at the company of the mines. But then even internally in the law firm, they, they freed up $3.9 But you're still going to need people because people, uh, like, I'm in, I'm been a knowledge-based field my whole life. And the highest paid advisors are not the smartest. The highest paid advisors are the one that, that uh, people have the most faith in. The most people have the most faith in this person. I mean, you would be shocked at how many wealth managers don't know what the hell they're talking about. But they make lots of money because they are charismatic and people like and trust them. And so as long as we have economies built around humans, you're going to always need those people. And you, you bifurcate that ability or you separate that ability from the knowledge. So you're going to still need to spend the money on those people. You're also going to need to spend the money on like the media, right? Because every because the way that we sell is going to go from like annoyingly emailing, DMing, cold calling, knocking on doors to attraction power through content. So you're going to need to spend a big chunk of that 3.9 million on content, right? Around those charismatic people, right? So there's and, and, and so and so like there's going to be lots of economies built on top of that because you have the internal content creation device. You got external companies that offer those services to the people. And so there's going to be plenty of jobs for people to do. But it's, we, we as I was talking to my buddy, we, the way that humans have evolved, the way we think, like if you, if you study how we thought 200 years ago, we were less intelligent beings. We didn't use our mind as efficiently as we could. So we continue to evolve our mind. So we're in a period of now where we're going to be forced to learn how to use intuition to learn how to use creativity, right? To, to learn how to access parts of our brain, the, the parts that allow us to feel our way through things, right? Inspiration, intuition, um, that computers can't do, right? That, that's the artist, right? The, the best entrepreneurs are fillers, right? The people who create things out of nothing, um, they imagined it and they felt their way through it because there was no, there was no data to look back and see if it worked. Right, you had to create it from inspiration, and you can only feel inspiration. You can't read inspiration, right? That, uh, um, uh, what do you call that? If if you if you if you're reading through, if you're reading something and then creating it, that's called imitation, <laughs> not inspiration. And so, um, the peep the, the 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 generations of humans, we've always evolved through the inspired ones of our time. Right, the ones that led us and guided us through inspiration, and then we, if we couldn't see the vision, then we hopped on board with their vision, and it increased the quality of life of all of us. And so that's how we've always done things. So you don't need to be afraid of the AI or the robots are coming. You have to understand that, like, either you tap into the inspiration, and if you do, you have the license book to print money uh, in the future, and or you just understand that. There will be those that are inspired, that are enlightened, that will bring in the economy for the new generations, and and things work out. Like I'm super pro-human. Uh, they always have. We have not de-evolved since 
the beginning of human time that I know of, right? We have periods where you kind of go, what are we thinking, right? But we work it out. Um, and so that is, I believe, the... Oh, no, I do. I cover one more part that's super, super duper important. And so um, from an investment standpoint, right, from an investment standpoint, why is, why is, this, why is this important? Well, when, when, when you have a, a, a massive amount of change, a massive amount of job destruction and creation happening in a long time, you factor in human, uh, you factor in humans and the fact that in general, we tend to process change slowly. Um, so, so it's like a, it may or may not, it's probably going to be a bumpy ride. Um, and so when, when that happens, historically, you've had the government step in and uh, print money, right, to, to, to hire new people, to provide subsidies. And, and, and that's why, like, like, if you were actually like to nerd out and do the math of all the productivity gains we've had in the last couple hundred years, everything should basically be free. Um, because we've lowered the cost of doing things to a level where it's next to free to produce a lot of stuff. But the price of things continues to rise because uh, when the majority of humans don't uh, come along for the ride, then you get a small group of humans that do process change fast. They get a lot of the money, right? And then you get the bulk that, um, that don't, and the government prints money to, again, hire government jobs, provide subsidies or whatever. And that money printing... Um, creates like creates the inflation right so if you look at the productivity gains of the last hundred so years it's been about three percent a year uh, what has inflation been roughly about three percent a year globally right and so that so so that number is important because the conservative projections i looked at arc's projections arc arc innovation or arc invest which is one of the forward-thinking people of innovation uh, from a fund standpoint and you know full disclosure we own their funds uh but we own their funds because we understand that they're pretty brilliant and they're pretty spot on with what they're doing. But um, their projection of uh, productivity gains over the next decade is eight and a half percent, right? And and that's like a the, the number. If you look at the curve, has been exponentially increasing for the last couple of hundred years as the printing press was invented and we've been getting smarter and like we've been processing data at a bigger quantity and getting a better process around processing data as humans, right? Now we're doing it with machines, and that's adding to our productivity. So we're at 8.5%. So what does that mean as an investor? Well, that means if you're investing in anything that is, this is my perspective, if I'm looking at any investment that's not higher than 8.5% expected return, uh, then I understand that that money is going to get eaten up by the money printing that's going to have to happen to ease the world into the new transition. Because either... Because if we instantly all process change like that, then cool, like the wealth would be equal. We'd all have an increased quality of life, which is what re wealth represents. So it would all be equal. There wouldn't be a disproportionate amount of money or, or jobs in the future. So like this, it'll be like pretty equal. That would be like, if you want to get a look at what perfection would look like, it would be like we all, at the drop of the dime, process change like that, move where we got to go where our interest takes us, and then we net out all have the same um, quality of life like relative to what we want and what we what we need, but we don't work like that. We got free will, so we all get to decide what we want to process and what we don't want to process, and so you get inequality, right? And so like we're, we're going to probably have inequality, and that means government printing, and so that means like devaluation of money, 
And so like, if you're an investor, you should want to care about that because that's what you're doing. Like you take, you're saying, I want, I want to send money into the future and I want that money to live. Well, if it earns less than the money printing rate, then it's that part of that money is going to die. Right. Um, because it's not earning more than inflation. So, uh, I hope this helps some investors. I hope this was a super enlightening and positive conversation because I intended to be that way. If it's not that way, then pause, go meditate, go run something, and then re-listen to it because there were a lot of nuggets uh, of, of hope in this episode. Uh, but until next week, y'all enjoy your day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to stonehillwealthmanagement.com forward slash talk. That's stonehillwealthmanagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.